1: to start winning elliot
0: for the touchdown cowboys lead nine
1: seconds left looking to throw one
2: Welcome back
3: to the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a RotoViz podcast. This is the November 11th episode. And as always, we are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. As always, follow me on Twitter at Randall Rand. And today we bring in a good friend, someone who's been killing it in the industry over a player profiler. He's the maestro of operations, great game analyst, and tremendous guy who, by the way, can lift more than anyone I know, Cody Carpierre. From player profile or follow him on Twitter at Carpentier NFL. Cody, great to have you on the pod, man. Getting together again, but at a different site.
2: I, I appreciate the kind words. That was a that was a great intro. Um, yeah, fun to jump on and just talk ball. That's the favorite thing to do during the year. And now we're in the middle of it, Week Ten. Let's let's t- let's talk some football, man.
3: You know, man, you've been doing so many great things over at Player Profiler. We have our meetings on Thursday and just all the work behind the scenes, the tweets, the info, the insight you put out there. Just talk about how it's been going at Player Profiler and all the really awesome things we got going at Roto Underworld.
2: All the data I push out on Mondays and Tuesdays, that comes from our great team of charters that we have about a group of... Nearly 80 guys that watch every single game, collect data from every single game, every single play. And that's really what makes Player Profiler work. You see the advanced metrics. You see the advanced data. That comes from those guys. We gather. We put it out to you guys. And I guess other things I'm working on, the big board on playerprofiler.com and the Dynasty Deluxe section. The big board, looking forward to the class of 2022. That shows you mock drafts from across the industry. We got the mock draft tool. That shows 2022 rookie mocks and Dynasty startups, that's active mock drafts that are going on every single month. We're trying to get new data just so you can see you know, who's the 101 in Dynasty, who's the 101 in the 2022 rookie drafts. Nobody's doing that, so we're trying to push it out there, see a little bit more content, and that's just kind of – just trying to keep the wheel greased and keep going.
3: I remember we're on the YouTube channel with Matt the night of the draft – you're there. You got the Matrix sunglasses on, and you're banging out information on every single player who's drafted. And, folks, I'm not just talking round one, round two. I'm talking wearing round six. Cody's like, yeah, okay, I got this guy's about six foot three, two hundred twenty. I wanted to Cody at one point just make up a name and see like, <laughs> if you were able to come up with something. But the work for for the future draft classes, man, is awesome stuff, right?
2: Yeah, this future class, obviously, I think a lot of people know the quarterback class is struggling a little bit. But finding, I think the biggest thing is we're in depth into 2022 right now. And there's a lot of teams out there in fantasy land that are undefeated. There's a lot of teams that don't have any wins and they're completely pushed into 2022. Maybe they see this data come across uh, uh, Twitter and then they come on the player profiler. They find out what player profiler is and they're like, well, maybe I don't want to go at 2022. So they start mortgaging those picks to 2023. That's just something that we're trying to help people get more and more steps ahead of the general population and just try to get better at fantasy football, get better at scouting, get better at learning these players' names before everybody else does.
3: Well, since you're great at looking forward and looking into the future, where the heck is Odell Beckham
2: going to go? Man, this has been – I mean, Tuesday – Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're crazy this week. Yep. Um, I think the place that you really want to see him go is where he's going to get opportunities for a fantasy, right? For fantasy, I think maybe a Las Vegas or or potentially a New England might be a good spot. But for him, if I'm Odell Beckham, why am I not going to Green Bay? Why am I not going to Kansas City? Those feel like the two landing spots where it's like, all right, push the chips in. I already made my four and a half million, five million from the Browns this year. Give me the minimum. I'll go to Kansas City. I'll go to Green Bay. Let's win a championship. I'll re enter free agency this next year, 29, 30 years old, and I'll restart my career. Now, as a Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl contender, something like that. Why not do that? I don't know. I would lean Packers, Kansas City, but I wouldn't. Pe- I wouldn't put it past Odell to to sign with New Orleans for you know going back home. I guess you want to say, but
3: I get the going back home, and that would be a, a a push, a pull from the heart. But I don't get this. If he already has made his money and he is a free agent at the end of the year, why would you not go to Green Bay? You have a Hall of Fame quarterback. You have a team that's dominating that almost beat the Kansas City Chiefs without Aaron Rodgers and with Jordan Love, who didn't play well. That, to me, is the landing spot. It's a couple months. You get a ring, you set up your next contract, and you retire. It just doesn't make sense. I have a feeling he could go to New Orleans, though, but I feel like, Cody, he goes down there, whether it's Taysom Hill or even James Winston, he's going to be sitting there throwing his arms in the air again because he wants to have superior quarterback play, and he's not getting it.
2: That's the thing. It's like why? Why are you going to New Orleans? It seems like a Odell move to make, though. It feels like, like you know, they went from the Giants to the Browns. He got traded. He didn't pick to do that. Now it's your choice, dude. You don't want to choose to go into an even worse situation, where arguably the New Orleans situation is worse because of the quarterback play. Trevor Simeon is Trevor Simeon. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not even on the Mac Jones level. Just the truth, right? You want to go somewhere where A, you're going to get opportunities, B, you're going to get that championship, and what you just said about the Green Bay Packers. I'm a Vikings fan. It's tough for me to say it, but Green Bay is about as good as it gets in the NFL right now. They're still getting looked at in a different tier because these teams have better record like Arizona and stuff like that, but Green Bay is a good team. Their defense is vastly improved. Jair Alexander's coming back. Tanya just went down. They need that other guy. They they can't be throwing the ball to Aaron Jones 11 times a game. It's you need that third, you add that weapon in, you got Odell Adams Jones, AJ Dillon's presence. God, that would just wouldn't that just complete that offense?
3: It would. He can walk in like Tom Cruise and say,
2: You complete me. That's exactly what he can do. Exactly. They've been, I mean, they've been looking for this piece for the last feels like what four years. It's like, All right, NFC Championship back to back seasons. What are we missing?
3: And you're a Vikings fan. So the other piece of news that sort of blew up last night and today. This issue with Dalvin Cook and his former girlfriend, there are pictures out. It looks really bad. Of course, hopefully she's okay. This does not look good here, Cody. The the attorney for Dalvin Cook came out and made a statement yesterday trying to get in front of this. I don't see a situation after seeing those pictures that he's going to finish the year. So Minnesota, I was really high on them. I had a future on them to win the division. That certainly didn't work out here. Defense has struggled. No Danielle Hunter. What are you hearing or what do you think is going to happen with Cook? I guess it's Alexander Madison. I just can't – after seeing that picture, Cody, I, I can't see Dalvin Cook playing the, every game the rest of the year.
2: This is one that – it's it's tough because it's so early in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I read about it, and I read it out loud the other night, was – Delvin Cook is the victim in a domestic violence right, suit. Right. And I read it out loud. And my fiance goes, victim. And I go, whoa, 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 victim. He's the victim. And then I kind of looked a little bit deeper into it. And I think there's a lot going on in this. You know, obviously this happened a year ago. It sounds like November of 2020. I don't think we're going to know the story for a little bit. Will Delvin finish the season? Can Delvin stay healthy regardless of this whole sort situation is, true, I guess, yeah. another thing to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this whole situation, which is sticky and I don't always like to jump into them right away, I think there's a lot going on that we maybe not, not going to have an answer to for a while. Cause it looks like there's some things that on her fault. And there's also some things where, you know, he put his hands on her. I'm never going to condone that ever. You don't ever touch a woman, but I think there's, she's at fault as well. So I think that could be something that just pushes this out. I guess you could say from a, from a football standpoint, I don't know. It's a very sticky situation though.
3: Yeah, it's just I, I think back to when Kareem Hunt had the video drop. When there's a a picture or a video, there just seems to be a sense of urgency that didn't exist with. You remember Greg Hardy when he had yep. the, you know, because there was no video or that. So it, it's certainly tricky for fantasy purposes, which again is minor comparison. We talk about it. It would be Madison, but it would be very interesting because the Vikings are a team that seems to be putting up a lot of points. It's a consolidated target share. Uh, Cook ran well against the Ravens, so I think there's opportunity there for someone. But like you said, we have to see how it's going to play out. Moving to a different team, Derrick Henry gone rest of the year. The immovable object and irresistible force has found a way to be grounded. I've had, Cody, on Twitter a ton of arguments back and forth on who is the back to own. Adrian Peterson did get the majority of carries, but I would not say that he looked great doing so. And I understand that he just joined the team. But he looked slow. I don't think as he gets more hits and more reps at the age of 36 and a half, he's going to get better. To me, Adrian Peterson is a goal line back. He's a short yardage guy. Deontay Foreman looked great, I thought, if you wanted to be honest. And I still think Jeremy McNichols is safe. I don't – listen, if Tennessee gets up 21-7 to like they did against the Rams every week, then sure, you're not going to see a ton of McNichols. But even so, he almost got a touchdown there at the goal line and he did have four targets, three receptions, something like that. Break down this Tennessee backfield and how you see it playing out rest of season.
2: I think the big issue with Adrian Peterson is just what you said. He looks slow. and. What he end up with? 10 carries, 26 yards, and a touchdown. He played 33% of the snaps. Deontay Foreman, 22% of the snaps. McNichols, 42% of the snaps. McNichols, I think, is the clear guy. All right, he's the one to own. He's going to get the targets. He's going to get I the agree. receptions. Three yep. targets, three receptions, each of the last two games. 30 yards. It's ugly. It's six fantasy points. It is what it is, but I think it's going to continue to grow. When you say, who do you want at cost? I mean, it's probably Foreman. For me, it's Foreman. But if it could get any of them for free, it's going to be McNichols. The thing about Adrian Peterson is his entire career, it was never, okay, get Adrian the ball 10 times, he's going to do something. It always took, and this is one of the guys that I grew up as a Vikings fan, I've said already, I've went to a lot of Viking games and I've watched a lot of Viking football and it always took Adrian Peterson 18, 19, and 20 carries. It was at that point in the game where he really hit off. Is Adrian Peterson going to get 18, 19, 20 carries? I do not think so. I don't think he's going to touch the ball 20 times in a game with the Tennessee Titans unless something happens to Foreman and McNichols, and it's only him. But even in that, I, I can't trust that more than him being a goal linebacker. And I think that's where he's going to fit in. I think it only makes sense for McNichols to be the main third-down guy. Adrian Peterson comes in inside the 5-10, and 10, and even at that, Ryan Tannehill has what a rushing touchdown in three of his last four games.
3: Sure.
2: Tannehill's going to continue to do that. Do I want any of these guys in fantasy – Give me McNichols, I'll stash Foreman, Adrian Peterson, maybe play a couple player props every week if they give you a half touchdown over under. I might take that, but that's about all I really want to do with Adrian Peterson at this point.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed Data
3: There are a ton of teams in the NFC bunched around 5-3, and 4-4, four and 3-5. Four, and five. One of those teams is the Seattle Seahawks. Russ Wilson is back this week heading up to Green Bay. We have seen over the last five to eight years, this is the time of the year, Cody, where Wilson goes crazy and starts having huge stats, except for last year when he started off hot and died down. I think there's a chance at three and five, no Chris Carson, that it's time to Ru- for Russ to start cooking. Do you agree? And if so, who's he cooking to?
2: Yeah, this is a, a weird one, too, because he's just coming back off of a throwing hand, middle finger surgery, and they're getting Green Bay. So it's like you have this is almost as close to a, a, a must win as there is sitting at three and five, one game back of Atlanta tiebreaker goes to Minnesota, both three and five teams, Carolina's four and five. They're there. They can push in. They're not that far out. I think they are going to be a playoff team, but what's Russ going to do. It's hard for me to believe that they're going to make him. Hey dude, go out there and throw some 60 yard bombs to DK Metcalf. They're going to try to keep the ball close to the line of scrimmage, run the ball as much as they can. It's going to be a low a dot game, at least this week. I think for Russ green Bay's fifth and net yards allowed per attempt seventh against the total pass and 10th against the run. Chris Carson is expected to return this week. I think they just activated him yesterday. Um, So I I think they're going to try and slow the the game down, which is exactly what Aaron Rodgers does with the Packers. Slow-paced game. It could be ugly. I really think we want to see something. We're expecting something to be a high-paced shootout type of game, but I'm not sure that either of these teams want that to happen.
3: Week 10 waiver wire targets. Who are you looking at here? First team that comes to mind for me is Eno Benjamin because it certainly looks like Evans going to be out for quite some time. I have a feeling this could be the rest of the year. James Conner has been a fantasy championship winner so far this year, but we love Eno Benjamin, certainly a player profiler. What say you with waiver wire targets?
2: Yeah, I definitely like Eno Benjamin, obviously best comparable to Duke Johnson, that 87th percentile burst. Can't get away from that. Yep. Eno Benjamin just straight up getting opportunities. And he, you would think he's going to fit right into that Chase Edmonds role. I sure hope they don't push James Conner any further than what he's already been pushed because we have we know his injury history. We know he can't take on that full workload without getting nicked up. I think he played great. I'm not sure he can do much more than he did last week. But outside of, Eno you know, Benjamin, there's Jordan Howard, obviously, Devonta Freeman. I'm really not into either of those guys. Give me Mark Ingram. He's owned in 24.9% of leagues nice. on ESPN. Five receptions last week, nine carries and a loss to Atlanta. He feels really gross, but so does Freeman and Howard, right? Howard looks explosive, which is a new thing for us. But what happens every time we go, all right, Jordan Howard's back, face plant. Okay. Give me Mark Ingram in a situation where there's whispers that Kamara's banged up a little more than what is known to the public. And if, that's, if that happens to be true, they brought in three guys to work out, I think yesterday or the day before, on Johnson being one of them. We know what Ingram and Kamara look like when they're the 1A, 1B If they just bump up Ingram's usage a little bit, he's going to be very, very usable in fantasy. At receiver, I guess Bateman, Elijah Moore, those are pretty easy ones. They're under 30% still on ESPN. And then at tight end, I've talked about Adam Troutman the last three weeks on Undercovered Ops. You can find that on the Roto Underworld Radio channel. Yeah, great pod. Yes. If you're dead in the water at tight end and you need someone like Adam Troutman, five plus targets each of the last two games, he has 20 point upside four red zone targets the last two games. If he catches one of those, he's vaulted into the top 12 at tight end the last two weeks. And the main thing, the difference between him and Pat Fryermuth, who's another guy I've been touting a little bit. The difference between those two is Fryermuth catches the touchdowns and Troutman doesn't. So the usage is there. Simeon's looking at Troutman. You should be too. That's kind of my only targets in waiver wire this week. Do you have any any guys that I missed out on there?
3: I loved who when you mentioned Troutman. Matt and I are co managing a pros versus Joe Superflex Dynasty team. Last year we struggled, but we didn't care. We have lost, Cody, Cam Akers. But despite losing Cam Akers, this team is rapidly moving into first. It's in second place. We have guys like Sigmund Bloom, Mike Leone, all these guys in there. We have held on to Troutman because of that belief, and we're thrilled with him. We have Hawkinson. We have Troutman. We're looking really good. So, yes, that was the one I was going to point out. You're now having a more conservative Saints attack. I know Troutman hasn't popped in seasonal, but tight end is so shallow that I think second half of the year he could absolutely make a big impact.
2: And I think the biggest takeaway from this entire passing game is the last five weeks, obviously we know the start of the year. Juwan Johnson just happened to be the guy that yeah. got the receiving work. Yeah. Then there things k- came out when Nick vanette went down. Troutman had to take on more of a rush, a run blocking role. The last five weeks, Troutman's routes have 5X'd. Week 4 to week 9, 7, 14, 22, 26, 35. Literally doubled, whatever, every single week improved. That's... Very telling. They want to use him. Two, three, six, seven targets. Increase, 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 increase. Troutman's a guy you got to – obviously a player profile that we've been touting Troutman for a long time. And I just feel like these tight ends, they never hit year one. Year two, year three. He's kind of finding finding his role in this offense. Let's see it. Let's see it. I love when the
3: guest titles the pod so I don't have to think about it. Adam Troutman, Route Bonanza. Thank you, Cody. We, we are all set for tomorrow. Perfect. Thursday night game, Ravens minus 7.5 against the Dolphins. I still hang on to Tua. I, it's it's somebody I have a blind spot for. I feel like he could still do some things, but no Devontae Parker. Miles Gaskin maybe in some leagues. If you went zero RB and you have him out there in seasonal. Ravens, Dolphins, it's seven and a half. It's always tough to lay a touchdown here. What do you think, Cody, about Thursday night?
2: Gaskin's one that I was all but ready to give up on early in the season, and then it's like the roll just boom. It's back, and he's scoring double-digit fantasy points every other week. And it is what it is. But from this game standpoint, seven and a half, Thursday night football, we've only seen Lamar play in Miami one other time. Lamar and Hollywood obviously played high school football in Miami-Dade. The only time that they've ever played in Miami, week one, 2019, 59-10 Baltimore won that game. Uh, Miami's 32nd against the pass, 32nd against the pass, and first downs allowed, middle of the pack against the run. Yep. Near the top of the league in QB knockdowns, blitz, and a whopping 36% block, blitz rate uh, from pro football reference. They've given up the second most completed air yards in the NFL. I think this one could get messy just like it did that in week one of 2019.
3: Favorite type of morning juice. We'll get into your workouts in a minute. Do you have juice in the morning? If so, where are you going?
2: I read this one and I was like, damn, he must really know me or something because my morning go-to is always cranberry and orange juice mixed, yeah. four ounces, four ounce cranberry, eight ounce orange juice, and then mix in a little creatine or pre-workout depending on the day, what I'm going to do. And that's just ship it. That's what it is. Cranberry and orange juice, one to one to two ratio.
3: That's it. Love it. Love the ratio. Love to ship it. Excellent. Give me an NFL team right now, Cody, think is overvalued.
2: Uh, overvalued. Somebody's going to hit
3: the skids, you think, in the, in the end of the
2: season. There's a lot of teams that are kind of in this talk. You could talk about Dallas. They look good. Are they? You see games against Denver that do this. Bizarre, Arizo-
3: Bizarre loss to the Broncos. Bizarre.
2: Crazy. Yeah. Those are the ones that you can almost write off, it feels like. But Arizona is Arizona for real, I think. So that defense has vastly improved from what we thought they were going to be. I still don't really trust the defensive backfield. Atlanta at the seven seed, that feels very, very fake. Um, and I guess from the AFC side, the AFC side, the only team I really can look at is th- is the Raiders. Can the Raiders' offense keep up in the AFC? Eleven teams at five and four or better—that's pretty ridiculous. Um, I don't hate really anybody. at Tennessee feels like a fluky one too, but again, this is this is the NFL. You got to show up every week, and they're showing up every single week since the start of the season. Obviously, they lost to the Jets, but they got a pretty easy schedule. I don't, I don't see Tennessee falling very far, very far down the seedings, but. Yeah, I guess if I had to pick one, it would probably be Atlanta at seven or, or or Arizona at one falling down a little bit.
3: Yeah, I think Atlanta's coming into a bad spot next week, I, going to Dallas against an angry Cowboy team coming up this week. And listen, I agree, Arizona may be shaky, but sh- but Cody, I sure do love my Arizona over eight wins bet. They're eight and one. I just oh, got yeah. one for the rest <laughs> of the year. So that would have worked out. How about a team that's undervalued, they think, can go on a run? I love Brandon Staley. Maybe it's just the Twitter press conferences – but their past defense is elite. You know their offense is clicking. Eckler's been battling injuries. Mike Williams is going to come back to to, to start dominating again at some point. You got a team that you think is underrated?
2: Yeah, I, I'm i going to Seattle. I think they need a little help on the back end, but three and five. They're one game back of Atlanta. They got the tiebreaker lost to Minnesota, obviously. But Minnesota's down. Daniel Hunter, Patrick Peterson, and there's a lot of other stuff going on. They play Arizona twice, Detroit, Chicago, Houston, San Fran, Washington. All feel like winnable games. Obviously, they're probably going to split with Arizona if I had to guess, but Detroit, Chicago, Houston, San Fran, Washington, 10 and 7, 9 and 6 for Seattle is going to get them in the playoffs. You get Russ healthy in the playoffs. I mean, we've we've seen that happen before. So I think that would be my team would be Seattle. And then uh yeah, New England feels like another dangerous one. New England, they played Cleveland this week, Atlanta, Tennessee, Indy, Jacksonville, Miami. I mean, I could. I could they say they play Buffalo twice. I saw this one the other day I was like, but they play Buffalo twice wow. and the records are 5 and 3 and 5 and 4. Who's to say New England doesn't compete for this AFC East championship? Could that, you imagine? Does that doesn't that sound just nasty? But their fourth in turnovers caused, their first in interceptions per pass attempt, 10th and yards per play allowed. It's Halloween, it's November. When does New England start playing football? November. So It felt gross writing that and thinking about that, but I think New England could make a case. Most reliable unit right
3: now in the NFL. I've seen some unreliable units like Washington defense, the Kansas City offensive line, the Patriot defense, night in, night out. That's why I loved them last week. And I even laid the hook with three and a half because that defense is going to be liked out, especially on the road. They're averaging over three and a half sacks per game on the road. So many great things on the on the site here, Cody. Dynasty rankings, of course, really a, a heart of, of what you do over Player Profiler. We've talked about running backs. Obviously, the one-on-one is Jonathan Taylor, but I'm curious who you have in the other two spots in the top three. Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift. What do you do with Saquon Barkley? People have argued for Derrick Henry. They go, look, we understand that, but he's going to give you at least five more years. Christian McCaffrey, of course, has fallen off a little bit in the rankings because of the injuries, but he, when he's playing, he's still elite. So I'm just curious, top three running backs, I guess it's Jonathan
2: Taylor and? Jonathan Taylor and Jonathan Taylor <laughs> and then Jonathan Taylor probably again. Yeah, no, yeah. but seriously, um, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, obviously the number one. And then like two through five, I think it's kind of a open to discussion and I feel – I always play for now and long-term at the same time. So like if I'm playing now and long-term, it's Taylor, number one, Najee two, and then some sort of Barkley, Javante and Swift three, four, five. But I'm like those, those, I think they can move around a lot, a lot of upside there. I think I have Javante higher um, in my personal rankings and a lot of people probably do. And that's just seeing what he can do with what he's gotten and kind of what can be pushed. I'm not as high on Swift. I just, Hate that Detroit offense. And Mm -hmm. obviously going into the season, what we thought was, all right, if he plays in that Camara, that Christian McCaffrey role on a bad team, he's going to boom. And they just, his snap share is not going to be high enough. And I'm scared it's never going to be high enough. And that offense is never going to be useful enough to get him to the point that we can pay off and get that McCaffrey level output. He's always just going to stay kind of down a tier.
3: I'm with you on Javante Williams. We were all hoping for Melvin Gordon to get traded to Baltimore for the trade deadline because when Williams gets the ball, he is special. He looks explosive. He passes the eye test. The metrics are there. Everything across the board. Just absolutely fantastic.
2: I was gonna say, can I ask you one question though on, on yeah. regarding the dynasty running back rankings? Where do you have Antonio Gibson? Because that's one before the season started. I had him in that conversation. I had him in the top five, top three for me personally, just on athleticism, what I saw what I thought didn't happen. The injuries, obviously. Do you have Gibson even in the top 10?
3: He's at the bottom of the top 10. My problem with Gibson, and this is a personal take bias, if you will, is in one of my major leagues here, I started with the one-on-one at Christian McCaffrey. And I really wanted to take Najee Harris. And I swear to you, Cody, I would have taken Najee Harris in the seasonal league if I had picked two. I liked him that much, but I didn't think I pass him McCaffrey. When it came back to me on the wraparound, Antonio Gibson was still there and I was all set to bang out like multiple wide receivers, and I went for Gibson, and it's been annoying me ever since, which has really been frustrating. I worry, man, that he cannot handle the workload of being a lead NFL running back. We love the conversion. We love the receiving ability. But just like I feel this year, the Konami code in terms of rushing for quarterbacks has gone a little bit in the other direction where we don't even care anymore about passing efficiency as long as they run. I think we've gone the other way with running backs also where I love his receiving ability, but he's not even being featured in that way. They're trying to turn him into a lead back. And are we sure he's just not a more advanced version of JD McKissick? So I have the same concerns you do. I don't know if they're coming back next year with Antonio Gibson as their RB1. Maybe he's really just suited for a James White role.
2: Oh, that's depressing. That is. I know. Maybe, maybe he's just a fluke. Maybe he's just like a, a, a flash in the pan where he just looks like the guy and he came in the class with another guy, Jonathan Taylor, that he just looks like, all right, he's going to be the dude that matches him athletic- athletically and it just doesn't hit. God, that's going to be so tough if they come back and draft somebody.
3: Cody, if I told you that Gibson gets shut down the rest of the year and Jarrett Patterson takes over and dominates the second half and next year Gibson is in the lead running back, would that shock you?
2: No, but I don't know, man. I like Jarrett Patterson. I just don't – If could you imagine if he finishes as like an RB2, if they just push him into that role, I would right. be.
3: I want it to be Gibson, but I, I do have concern. You have to be durable. Let's not go to Derek yeah. Henry, crazy yeah. durability guy. Yeah. But I don't know. I, and listen, no Fitzpatrick has really hurt that team. It's been very, very odd. I'm concerned. I still have him in the top 10 because I can't give up on him because he's too talented. Yeah. Yeah. But at this point, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a concern. Wide receiver. This one's been hot as well. Uh, Chris Raybon uh, stayed with Jefferson. Jeff, uh Obviously, I think it's Jamar Chase. But second, the second dynasty wide receiver: Jefferson, Lamb, AJ Brown, Metcalf. Some people still like Adams because they feel like he can get four more years in. Where are you? I'm assuming Chase is one for dynasty wide receiver rankings. Who's two and three?
2: Yeah, I brought I brought my uh, my thoughts on Chase today because I was like. Going to make my point as being Chase the number one, but I'm glad you just said Chase yeah. is number one. Clear. Yes. I think it's very clear. Seventh and Yak, fourth and touchdowns, sixth and yards per reception, third in yards, number one expected points added. Like everything's there for Jamar Chase. He's world level talent, comparable to Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Cooper, Jefferson, rookie seasons. But yeah, for me, and this might catch a lot of people off guard too, is Metcalf. I got Metcalf at two, and that's okay. him being yeah. him. Okay. With Wilson, I think he stays two. And then you know Jefferson still has Thielen and run focused offense. Lamb still has Coop and Zeke. Mm-hmm. I would just prefer Metcalf because I like that body type. I like that big dude. Andy has the speed. We've we've seen he can run the routes. That was the question out of college: Can he run the routes? Three cone, blah 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 blah. Well, guess what? He can do it. So if that was our question, he answered it. Why is that not the alpha in the NFL right now? That's kind of my thought process. I don't see Jefferson Lamb as a alpha body type. I see them more as a, a, a Z receiver, kind of like a Chad Ochocinco, whereas like oh, good. Metcalf is your ex. Metcalf is your Brandon Marshall, right? A.J. Brown I think also des- deserves to be way up in this conversation. I just wish there was a little more focus on the receiving game than what they had when Henry was there. Obviously, maybe we see that the rest of the season.
3: You made a great point about you have to be careful – what about overrating single issues or single variables that pop up? I mean, remember we used to talk about DK Metcalf's three cone drill. Cody, remember, remember that fun yeah. stuff that seemed to not work out. What about uh, Jamar Chase this year? Cause there's no stripes on the ball that he's dropping those. Huh? It's exactly. It reminds me of like when I went nuts because Cam Newton threw a bomb to Curtis Samuel in the preseason. I'm like, Oh, it's going to be a big year for Curtis Samuel. You, you can't overreact there. Jamar Chase, clearly the one-on-one that's for sure. I need to get into your workouts. I used to run track in college, so I was doing workouts 24-7, which I do not do anymore. But you got some impressive poundage going up there, my friend. Tell me about your weekly routine. You're going at 6 a.m. You're going outside chasing chickens like Rocky. What do you got going on here?
2: In In the off-season, it's definitely a midday, like a noon, 1 p.m. workout. But with football going on, it's turned into a 11 p.m. type of deal. Um, and cardio, definitely not a thing that I have on the checklist, but – I will tell you a little short story here. Halloween obviously was just a couple of weeks ago. My fiance is like, "Hey, let's go to Goodwill and see if we can find a little stuff. We'll dress up and be safari people. Have yeah. the dog be a little lion, whatever." So we go to Goodwill, and before this, I'm like, "Man, I really need to like add some walking in because being at my desk all day, it sucks. Your body just needs to walk. You need to get those steps." in. it's like, ah, I need to look for a treadmill, and you know they're four, five, six, up to a grand. Mm-hmm. We go to Goodwill, picking out some stuff for Halloween. And I'm like, hey, there's a treadmill over there. And it was 29 bucks. So I go over, plug it in. It works. I buy it, throw it in the back of the van, come home. I got a treadmill for 29 bucks. So I'm adding cardio. Dollars? That's what I'm saying. This thing's not, it's not the top of the line treadmill, but it's a treadmill and it works. And that's kind of all I'm really worried about. I just trying to add that in, but... Yeah. So that's cardio. I'm not a big cardio guy, but from the workout standpoint, four days a week, one day for stretch and blood flow. That's about how it is. But I'm definitely, I'm a competitive power lifter. A lot of people don't know that. I've been doing that for six years now. So that's kind of where that comes from. Good
3: for you, man. Who's a preseason guy that you nailed that you said, you know what? It's working. Mine is Cooper Cup. I said, you have to have Cooper Cup on every single one of your teams. I keep tweeting out every week. If I leave my wife, it's going to be for Cooper Cup. Who's your preseason guy that you nailed in July, August? You like, you know what? It worked out.
2: That's awesome. I like, that's, Cooper <laughs> Cup was a tough one for me because I always got to the point in the drafts, especially an underdog, where I got to the round and it goes, all right, who do you want, Woods or Cup? And I was like, yeah. Neither. I just couldn't push the button for some reason. And I, I I so regret it. But the guy that I was always pushing the button on and is my fourth most owned player and underdog is Michael Carter. Mm -hmm. I put that on the underworld world famous draft kit. Michael Carter would finish as an RB two. He's currently RB 20. And I said he would finish ahead of Javante Williams. Who's currently RB 24, 98th percentile agility score. I compared him to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I've said it a million times, had a dance party last week on Undercovered ops. Michael Carter is definitely that guy for me. And, uh, I'm going to keep vouching for him.
3: Good call there. Let's do DFS, man. Talk to me about who you like this week, week 10. QB, running back, wide receiver, tight end, however you want to play this. Give me a couple of guys that you think have real nice value this week for week 10 DFS so we can win win a million dollars and we can retire and you can teach me how to lift power, be a competitive power lifter. Go ahead, DFS. What do you got?
2: This is, I started looking through this and a few things poked out to me. One, obviously, Jalen Hurts, 6500 bucks. He's down 700 from the last two weeks. He's been under 20 pass attempts and under 20 points the last two weeks. Down 700 bucks. going to Denver. They lost Patrick Sertan and Bryce Callahan the last two weeks, both top 20 cornerbacks in the NFL. Fuller's going to be playing. Ronald Darby's going to be playing. I think this game helps Jalen Hurts a lot from every aspect of football, playing him at 6500 And then I made this lineup, and I shared it with Josh, and he's like, whoa. I fit Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, and Christian McCaffrey into the same cash lineup. McCaffrey, Najee, and Jonathan Taylor. I think you just do it this week. Detroit, Jacksonville, Arizona. And my favorite receivers, Tyler Johnson, 3,300. You got to go back there with the Godwin news that broke yesterday. Julio against New Orleans, and then Alan Lazard against Seattle. Touchdown each of the last two games. He played with Aaron Rodgers. And then a tight end, we already talked about him, Adam Troutman. That's my favorite this week favorite video game grown up. I'm pretty young in the fantasy space. This is a this is going to be a tough. One. A lot of people are going to be like, "Well, what the N- N64 and and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and all, you know, there's all these game stations from back in the day I didn't get to grow up in. I was a I got more into video games like 2004, 2005. My first ever game uh, was actually NBA Live 05. Wow. It was LeBron, Carmelo. That was playing basketball in the front yard. I was LeBron. I was also Melo. I played against myself, stuff like that. But definitely my favorite game has to be Blitz the League, the OG version, oh. 2005 that came out. That game, that was next level. I think that's how you either flip a kid's switch on or off in middle school and high school and to being if they're going to be a dominant football player or not or if they're going to end up locked up because that game was – there's a reason they only made two of them. That was a – I don't know if you've ever played that game or seen that game. but I've seen it, yep. For those that are listening and have never heard of the Blitz, Blitz the League, when you want to see a guy get hit, Uh, a Ray Lewis tackle across the middle. And you want to see a guy's neck break in a video game. That was the game for you. That was a wild one. That was easily my favorite.
3: A lot of fun. Absolutely. I love betting on games involving Mike Tomlin per bet labs as an underdog since September 22nd of 2019, the Steelers under Tomlin 12 and three, that's 80% against the spread as a favorite. They have lost seven consecutive games against the spread as a favorite. This week at home, eight and a half against the Lions. What say you, Cody?
2: I don't know, man. I, I The <laughs> Lions, they just play these games so tough. Mm-hmm. And it felt like a very um, important game for Pittsburgh this last week against Chicago. It felt very difficult where mm-hmm. it shouldn't have been. I think the Steelers are a hair overrated. Um, but they always come to play. And what matches that intensity of Mike Tomlin? Dan Campbell. Mm-hmm. And Detroit is – Detroit's going to win a game. They're going to win a game at some point. This is a game I wouldn't bet on. Eight and a half, seven and a half is a lot of points. And we've seen Detroit do some stuff like they did against the Rams a couple weeks ago, onside kicks. The next thing you know, they're up by 10. Yep. I, I Just what you said, I would not bet on that game at all.
3: If you were not doing the great work you're doing a player profile
2: Road Roto Underworld, what would you be doing? Probably not what I could be doing. Um, But actually during college, so it's kind of a pre-COVID thing. uh, For four years, I worked at a rental company. I also worked at a furniture store during college, obviously. And the rental company, me and my buddy, we're getting close to not buying out, but pretty much buying a lot of the equipment so that our boss could kind of retire from that business because he's a Mm big um, real estate guy. Um, but rental companies. So, blowing up bounce houses, putting up tents for parties, tables and chairs, things like that, like 90, 120 hours a week, just some crazy labor intensive hours. And uh, I guess that's probably what I was leaning to doing. And then as COVID hit, that company went down and I was doing an internship football and it just kind of worked into that. But that's probably where I would be going.
3: Tonight is Survivor. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Tonight's Survivor. My family loves it. It'll drop tomorrow trying to get fantasy football fear factor or survivor together. If you're on, you'll do a lot of stuff and you are a crazy guy. What's the one thing though, Cody, that you'd say, you know, this one's a tough one.
2: I, I don't know, man. Anything with snakes, snakes are are one of those things where I'm just, I'm out on snakes. It's, I was never really much into fear factor, but I've listened to a lot of Joe Rogan and he's talked about a lot of things. And, uh, there was one that had something to do with donkeys and something to do with drinking something from the donkey. And that was one where I was like, yeah, I don't know if I could ever get into that. So, but anything, snakes, snakes, I'm out. You ain't, you ain't getting me near a snake.
3: Cody can lift a car over his head, but you throw him in a vat with snakes and you're going to see a little, a guy who's saying, you know what? I have no interest. (laughs) You're you're going to see a
2: little girl. (laughs) Uh,
3: Carolina here, PJ Walker. Uh, they, they must have, I saw Patrick Daugherty put this out on Twitter. started laughing. They must keep giving physical exams to Sam Darnold just to find something. It looks like it could be PJ Walker and it could be PJ Walker who does have a Konami code for the rest of the season. What do you think here?
2: Yeah. Uh, PJ Walker, I think fits very well into this offense because he played with Matt rule at temple, Keith Kirkwood, Robbie Anderson, the leading receivers at temple in 2015, Robbie Anderson, the second leading receiver at Temple in 2016, Keith Kirkwood, the quarterback, both those years, 10 and 4 squad, and a 11 and 2 squad. PJ Walker, um, kind of a Temple rebirth, I guess you could say, in Carolina. But even if you go back to PJ Walker, what you just said, a Konami aspect, XFL days, four carries, 20 yards, four carries, 30 yards, four carries, 35 yards, five carries. He's going to run the ball, and if he gets a full week of practice, hopefully he can be efficient. Not 33% like he was the other week when he came in with no practice, but I mean, we've seen it before, 61, 65, 67% completion percentage in the XFL. He's not going to be a world beater, but I think he's going to be good for this offense. Give it a little spark. DJ Moore scares me though. DJ Moore scares me in this offense with a PJ Walker.
3: I agree with you on that. This week he's rating very highly in DFS. I'm still scared off. Last question, then we will get you out of here. Give me the Cody Carpentier end-of-season bold prediction. Somebody you think's a league winner. Somebody you think that's going to fall flat on their face. Give me something here. What do you think?
2: I'm really stuck in this one. I'm really stuck here. I'm going to go Javante Williams, top 12 running back, and New England Patriots play in the AFC Championship.
3: Oh, that is very good. You hesitated, but then you gave me a haymaker. Explain, (laughs) sir. Very good.
2: I just think new England they're coming around and I think this is a big Belichick kind of fu to the league where everyone sold them out last year. They're like, yeah, he is nothing. Tom Brady is the reason that this team was everything. And I think he's slowly bringing back new England to being relevant. And I think Mac Jones is fitting perfectly into his build. Hunter Henry is getting going. Um, and I just really, I hate it. Like I said before, I just hate the thought of new England, but their second time of possession in the last three games, and they're three and zero in that span. They don't have a very tough schedule, they can win the AFC East. And if they win the AFC East, that's going to be even the next thing. But with Javante Williams, you're seeing the opportunities rise week after week after week. I think he's going to end up being a first round pick next year in redraft leagues. I don't know why he wouldn't, especially with Melvin gone 21 and a half years old, still has yet to crest 50% snap share. And 11, 11, 17, 10, 13 fantasy points. It's a matter of time before they realize, hey, if we want to win games, we got to give this dude the ball more. So I just kind of goes against my Michael Carter take from before the season saying that he's going to finish ahead of Javante Williams. But I think Javante, it, it, they, they just need to use him.
3: Cody Carpentier the maestro of operations at Player Profiler, doing incredible work, running so many things for one of the top sites in the business. Follow him on Twitter at NFL. Cody, my friend, great to have you on the mailbag. I'll be seeing you tomorrow at at the Player Profiler meeting, but great to have you on, man. You're killing it. You're doing great work. You have so much insight here for fantasy, and you actually crunch the data for the people who just want to look and say, who should I start? Who should I sit? You deliver it every week on Twitter. Thanks for coming on, man.
2: I appreciate you, Mike. It was a, a great time, great episode. I just love talking ball. So I want to thank you again for having me on.
3: Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovisradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotovis Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend. And don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast it's a no-brainer folks thanks for tuning in